You're listening to the Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts, Howard Schweitzer and Mark Alderman. Mark and Caitlin, good morning. It is Friday, November 6th. I had to look at the date several times on my computer to remind myself what what day, what day and time it is because uh, we're, we are three very sleep-deprived people. I think we're a very, a very sleep-deprived country after, after quite, quite the week, quite the week. Well, still the week, Howard. It's still the week. It's only 1130 <laughs> on Friday morning. Right. So. More to come. So let's start by talking about the, the state of the race. Uh, Mark, what's the what's the latest and greatest? Latest is that uh, Joe Biden has enough electoral votes and then some to be the next president if he holds the lead in all the states where he's leading. He's leading in Nevada and Arizona. Those alone would put him at 260. He's leading in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I'm sorry, 270. You are sleep you. deprived, Mark. If you've forgotten that number, you are very sleep deprived. 260 is not enough. 260's not enough. And the last time I went to sleep was uh, Wednesday. So I apologize for the miscount. Uh, he's ahead in, of course, Pennsylvania and Georgia. Georgia is being recounted. Pennsylvania is still being counted and then maybe recounted. But it's a question of Biden holding his lead. Mark, the, the burning question that the nation wants to know is whether you're sleep deprived because of the election or because you were in Brooklyn with your newly born <laughs> granddaughter. Uh, last night was the election. Okay. The okay, night just, before was B. Just just had to clarify. No, fair uh, question. No, Biden, Biden's going to win. And I think we have to premise the podcast on on that in terms of discussing the impact. Caitlin, do you, that's my view. Do you have a different view? I don't have a different view. I think it's going to take some time. I think there's several lawsuits out there. We're going to have a recount in Georgia. We might see a recount in Pennsylvania, depending on what happens over the next couple of hours. Some of these results aren't even going to be certified until next week because of provisional ballots and um, some of the military ballots still yet to be counted. This is going to be a long and arduous process. But I agree, the path is, it's, it's pretty clear um, that, you know, it was a messy process. We're three days after the election. It's still, you know, no one has still officially reached 270. And I think a lot of Americans are really frustrated by that. But the, the writing is, is kind of on the wall. Yeah. Um, you know, pending, pending Pennsylvania, things hold in Pennsylvania, the, the writing seems to be on the wall that we'll have a president-elect Joe Biden. It's just a matter yeah. of how many days it's going to take. I guess I have I have a couple of thoughts on that. One is I, I don't think it's actually that messy. I think it's actually remarkable that we're holding an election amidst a global pandemic where 230,000 people plus have died and 1,000 people are some crazy number dying every day. And we're going to know this week who who the next president is. I actually think like, given all the 
crazy circumstances against which every state was conducting the election that it's actually remarkably calm and and effective and a, a, and a and a tribute to um, how we run elections and how we do this as a nation. I think there's so much good to see in the things that are being talked about, even look, Trump's speech last night, his ranting and raving on Twitter, like even that, Mark, you know, he he can say whatever he wants. It's it's kind of like where it's kind of like the, his decision not to wear a mask. Symbolically, it's it's harmful. But um, as it relates to the election and, and look, he shouldn't be doing it. But as it relates to the election, there's a process. There is a well, process for picking the next you, president. There's a I process until that point. There's, there's, there's a, a process for picking the next president. Let's start with the fact that but, looks like 160 million Americans voted, yeah, which but, is a a tribute to civic engagement. Yeah, it's great. And, like and we said you, earlier in the week. Yeah, and as you said, 160 million. Votes have been counted, cast and counted in a pandemic, which is a a great tribute, especially to the men and women who are counting those votes. I think that the uh, the performance by Trump last night is not part of the process. No, I'm not saying that's part of the process. I am saying that there is a process to elect the next president. On December 14th, the Electoral College is going to meet and they are going to vote for Joe Biden and he's going to be the next president-elect and Donald Trump is not. On January 20th, they're going to swear in the next president and it isn't going to be Donald Trump. There is a there is law and process that will be followed and Trump can go to the courts. He can say whatever he wants. The rhetoric is destructive but I put this in the category of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I, I think and and I think I think, I think the, the system is going to hold. And that's enormously positive for our democracy. Agreed. Well, Howard, Mark, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with you. And, and, and I absolutely agree that the rhetoric, you know, last night was was terrible. However, I will say that it is the right of the Trump campaign to dispute. And add, these are very slim margins. And if the situation was reversed, let the process play out. Of course, they have every right to yeah. go in to contest some of these races and some of these right. ballots to right. ask for a recount. If the shoe was on the other foot, the Biden administration with or I'm sorry, the Biden campaign with um, with such slim narrows would be doing the exact same yeah, thing. There's no question. I agree. Let every legally cast ballot be counted. Let the process play out. By the way, Caitlin, so the shoe was on the uh, the shoe was on the other foot four years ago. These are the same margins. They're close, right? Well, I mean, effectively, it's the mirror image of 2016. I think one thing we can't ignore is what I think is the unfortunate fact that the legislatures, Republican legislatures in several states, Pennsylvania included, Michigan and uh, Wisconsin also, uh, Ohio as well, set up the election, which it is absolutely the legislature's prerogative to do, with the 
uh, in-person election day voting being done, uh, being counted first, and then you turn to the mail-ins, which in this pandemic were substantial. And it caused the visual uh, that we all saw on the screen of Trump being way up and then slowly, slowly, slowly coming down. Now in Arizona, it's actually yeah, it's, working it's the other exactly. Way. But I, I do think that was unfortunate. I think the visual of that created a lot of uh, uncertainty and, and misunderstanding. But but now we're here and the votes have almost all been counted and the process of a recount or a challenge will play out. And that's all good. That's all good. The rhetoric, uh, not not good, not good. The no, process- of course, it's 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 harmful rhetoric. But I think as we get through it, it's harmful because there are people out there that believe it. It's harmful That's because it delegitimizes yeah. this very legitimate and and very impressive process that we're talking about. Which, by the way, didn't go particularly well for the Democrats, except that Biden is going to squeak out enough votes to become the next president, which obviously is huge. But down ballot, Mark, immediately down ballot. It didn't go well for the Democrats. Did not go according to plan. No. Still waiting for the blue wave. Yeah. Well, the the Senate, of course, did not go according to plan. Uh, We have a net gain of one Democrat, which makes uh, which makes 48 and 52 Republicans and two open seats, as we all know, in Georgia probably headed to a runoff if the recount yeah, they're, changes they're, the Purdue race. Well, they're okay. both headed yeah. for a runoff, yeah. Let's just assume yeah. for the sake of this discussion yeah. that they're headed to a runoff. So, so be it. That's a goofy yeah. process, but so be it. Two of the yeah. most uh, expensive Senate <laughs> runoff races we will ever see. That's for sure. Yeah. And Mark, and the, unfortunately, the, one, one other consequence is that the election won't end till January 5. <laughs> And right. We got to endure this this for another two months. But look, it's and and people in Georgia should just turn off their TVs for the next 60 days. But the, the, the Democrats lost seats in the House. They didn't earn a majority in the Senate. And that I think Nancy Pelosi certainly did not think that was going to be the be the result. Chuck Schumer certainly did not think that was going to be the result. You and I are talking to people all day, every day, and and Caitlin as well in in these in these Senate offices that um, were licking their chops. They were planning their chairmanships. Right. <laughs> um, friends of ours in, in important positions were you know jockeying for this or that, and at the end of the day, they aren't going to have it. And and well, it yeah, and that has huge consequences. Of course, elections have consequences. That has huge consequences for the Biden administration. The Biden yeah, administration is not going to be dealing with uh, with removing the filibuster, with packing the court, 
with Medicare for all, even maybe with the public option that uh, President-elect Biden favors. So the new New Deal, no new Green Deal, even in the House, there may not be the votes for a new Green Deal. I think they're certainly not going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and then down ballot further on the state and local level, I keep talking about New York, which is obviously a very progressive state. But in New York, the Democratic, the Democrats flipped the Senate in 18 to a Democratic majority. And Governor Cuomo vetoed bill after bill after bill um, in the state that the state legislature passed. The Democrats were licking their chops at the prospect of a veto-proof Democratic majority in the state Senate. Not only did they not get that, they lost seats to the Republicans. So you and I, Mark, had this very interesting debate that unfortunately we didn't record about where <laughs> about where the country is yeah. um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this was this was most definitely not an affirmation across the country of a progressive agenda. It's not an affirmation of the Elizabeth Warren wing of the Democratic Party. No, and no. and. We- yeah, we did not elect a progressive president in Joe Biden. We are not sending progressives to the Senate in Hickenlooper and and Kelly. And in the House, uh, the opportunity for progressive legislation has uh, receded with the loss of 10, 12, whatever the final count uh, yeah. turns out to be. Caitlin, what do you think that tells us? Well, actually, I can just rephrase some of the um, reporting from the Democratic caucus call in the House yesterday that Speaker Pelosi led. I don't know if you all saw the reporting, and this is kind of inside the beltway for some of our audience, but a member like Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger from Central Virginia, very moderate district, she former CIA had a, officer. Former CIA mm-hmm. officer. She had a lot to say yesterday on the call to Speaker Pelosi. She she said, no one should ever say defend the police ever again. We shouldn't be talking about socialism. These defund are the types the of yeah. defund, defund the police right. ever we're, again. We're they tired. should be defending the police. Right. Sorry, defund <laughs> the police ever again. Tired. No one should be talking about socialism, and that is what nearly cost her her race. Members like Donna Shalala, members like Debbie Mucarsel Powell. It was a very emotional, tumultuous call yesterday. And I think the moderate wing of the Democratic Party is, frankly, pretty pissed. I think what it tells, I yeah, all, all well said, especially the part about them being pretty pissed. But I think what it tells us kind of back up to the top of the ticket is that Joe Joe Biden ran the right campaign. Joe Biden got elected because he's not Donald Trump. And right. and, and the polls showed well, that. And he's yeah. not Hillary Clinton. And he's he's not she, Donald Hil- Trump and right. he's not I, Hillary Clinton. I, he's Joe Biden. Right. I, I'm gonna He's give, less unlikable than Hillary Clinton. She I, is right. We Hillary always, Clinton doesn't win this election. No, that's my point. Hillary right. Clinton does. And by the way, there were 20 some Democratic candidates for this nomination. I'm not sure there's any other one on that first stage with 20 some <laughs> candidates. I'm not sure any of 
them could have won. We picked the Democratic Party picked the right nominee for this race. Well, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez might disagree. She wasn't running. (laughs) She's not even old enough to run. (laughs) But I mean, what do you do, Mark, about that wing of the party? What do you do about the Bernie Sanders isn't even a Democrat and he was almost the nominee. But what do you do about the AOC, you know, flame throwing and and even I mean, Elizabeth Warren is not AOC. She's a very smart, thoughtful person. She's not a socialist. But what do you do about these people that think that they know better and and were repudiated in this election? Yeah, which I know Howard uh, does not displease you, especially uh, with with some of the names you've named. It doesn't displease most of the country. That's the point. But that is the point. What you do with them is is as yesterday's call that um, that Caitlin referenced uh, was about. What you do with them is the elections have consequences uh, protocol. And they did not prevail, and they cannot, therefore, dictate policy. I think, again, Joe Biden is the best possible president-elect to try to heal all of the above, to try to heal the deep divide in the country. I think his hand was strengthened there with the Republican Senate holding I think he has to heal the party. The party was united behind him because he was not Donald Trump. He's got to go now be Joe Biden and and pull this party together. And none of this is going to be easy. But there's actually, I believe, a an unexpected, unexpected to me, there's an unexpected opportunity to govern from the middle of the road. And it would be welcome think, in America, I think. Which would be very welcome in America. Even in and Bryn Mawr. Even in Bryn Mawr. And that is who, maybe not in this house, by the way, but in, a, in other parts of Bryn Mawr. But that is exactly who Joe Biden is. We always, you know, Howard, I'm, I'm going to call it's, you out. We spent months and months, oh, he's old and he can't put a sentence together and he's afraid to come out of the basement. Well, the American people, it appears by a lot, by six, seven million votes when they're all counted, wanted Joe Biden to be president because of who he is, because of his character, his experience, and he's the right president for this time. Yeah, well, he's not Donald Trump. And look, I agree. Look, he is old. He is, um, he's not elderly. I won't call him elderly like you did, Mark, on a couple of podcasts ago. Some of our listeners were offended by you calling these two elderly candidates. I've been told since the pandemic began that I'm elderly. So uh, they're in good company. I will definitely (laughs) use that against you, Mark. But uh, okay, he's not Donald Trump. And, and look, I do think he is, he's absolutely a guy who can cast the right note. He will be presidential. He's already been presidential. I think the couple of very short statements he's come out and made this week um, 
I think he was obviously trying to look presidential. I just received the briefing on the state of the economy and and the virus. Like that's that's what we need. Like he's not going to most, most important thing. I believe he doesn't even said. know what Twitter is, so we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, he uses proper punctuation on Twitter. I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked. Like maybe he doesn't actually write those things. <laughs> uh, yeah, kudos to the digital team uh, on the campaign. But but Howard, I and and Caitlin, uh, all kidding aside, um, I here's the deal, folks. As the president-elect would say, the most important thing I think that Joe Biden has said, and he has said it consistently, and he is saying it from the bottom of his heart, is that he is going to be the president of all Americans. You voted for him. You voted against him. You didn't vote. Yeah. And that that is his DNA. And that is not going to move the country in any particular direction, except maybe together. Mark, the difference he let's talk Let's separate tone and substance. Joe Biden is a progressive. He's not AOC. He's not Elizabeth Warren, but he's not. I don't know. Pick he's a not Joe Manchin. Right. He's not I Joe will, Manchin. I will give you that. He's, he's not Joe Manchin. And, Although and, he gets along great with Joe Manchin. Yeah. And tone. And that's the point. Well, even more to the point, he gets along well with Republicans. Well, that's what I was in, about to in say. In tone, and there's tone and there's substance. There's no question in tone he is going to cast the right note as I as I keep saying he's going to he's going to strike the right tone and he's the perfect guy as long as he can get out a complete sentence the perfect guy to to set the right tone all kidding aside but in substance yeah he's absolutely gonna now now we're back to uh, our unrecorded Saturday conversation. And we need Caitlin to jump in here, please, because Howard and I have already done this once. But but let me just say quickly, look at the first things he's going to try to do. Maybe we've become so partisan that they seem political, but they have the great support of the country. The highest priority is going to be dealing with the coronavirus. And what he is intending to do has the support of a majority, not unanimous, a majority of the country. He's going to address climate. And a majority of the country wants climate addressed, not the new Green Deal, but but something. And and he is not going to be able to simply do whatever he pleases because Mitch McConnell is going to be on the other end of the phone. But Mark, that's, you keep go ahead. That's David. what I was going to jump in and say, Howard. I, I completely agree with your your point on the difference for the you know the personality versus the substance. But he's got Mitch McConnell's Senate to contend with, and even with some of those key cabinet confirmations, he's going to need to pick some middle-of-the-road, moderate folks to get them approved by the Senate. And that's what makes me sleep a little bit better at night, knowing that you know a lot of this progressive agenda that he campaigned on is unlikely to go very far. In by the way, even Senate. if it's not going to happen, but even if the Democrats were to take the two Georgia Senate runoffs, it's still a 50-50 chamber 
And yeah, they would have the majority that have the chairmanships. That's huge. But it would be such a thin majority. They're not going to be able to do the radical things that no. the left has been pushing for them about, to do. Think about it isn't going to happen, though. Think about 2022. Right. Traditionally, the president that's in office, his party loses seats in the House. We could oh. see a dramatic swing in 2022. Yeah, you could see the House go. You could also see, but the Senate, um, there are many more the Republicans is, right. up the in 2022 than there are Democrats. But I feel like we keep falling into the trap of operating up at the level of the headlines. And if this isn't about the headlines, this isn't about the legislative process. Mitch McConnell's got a lock on that. Um, once they win one or two of the, the Georgia Senate runoffs. And yes, McConnell has a, a, the ability to have a say in confirmation process, who sits in what seats, and it will moderate Joe's choices in terms of cabinet secretaries and undersecretaries and assistant secretaries. But there's a lot that can be done to push a, a left-leaning agenda through the executive branch, notwithstanding the fact that McConnell has, has some of that power. And, and Biden's going to do it. Mark, he's gonna he's gonna do it, and and that's look. I think it's in I, I, people come, have come different down. views on this, yeah. but it's like, it's the best of both worlds for Biden. I think, in a sense, because the Senate Republican majority takes some of the pressure off of him. To that that gives him a reason not to do what the left wing of the party wants him right. to do, but it but he will have the ability on the under the radar stuff to push a progressive-leaning agenda through executive action. Well, and then and do, do a it. lot of what push Trump has done on the deregulation agenda. standpoint. Right. Yeah, he'll do it. Yeah. Well, again, if we come down from the the clouds and, and look at uh, some of the I feel like I'm in the clouds after. It's going to – well, it's been a long week, and, and it's still not even noon on Friday. But – we got to see how he builds his government. And yes, there are the confirmables or, or, or not confirmables, for example. Um, and I think you're going to see all kinds of people, including Republicans. I was going to ask you that, Mark. I was going to ask you if you thought he might consider appointing a Republican or two to the cabinet or just some high level Absolutely. positions. Of course he will. That would they, really, you know, go a long way yeah, from, yeah. to help He'll make it, bring people yeah. together. He'll make he somebody Secretary of Transportation. Mitt Romney, like, like a Mitt Romney, or, you know, whatever. not Secretary like, of Transportation. I don't think he wants Mitt leaving the Senate just yet. <laughs> right. Fair. Fair point. Yeah. Fair point. Right. Like, yeah. big deal. He'll make. He should make Tom Cotton Secretary of Transportation. <laughs> he make, stick him in it. agriculture. Let's, let's get him out of the Senate. No. Look, of course he's going to do symbolic stuff, but let's not pretend that this is going to be some kumbaya. No, no, moment. No. This is politics. It's a blood sport. And he's I, not he 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 won because he's he's a because he's a good guy who's not Donald Trump and not Hillary Clinton and not a fire breathing jerk. He won because he's Joe Biden, but he's not a Republican. He's no, not he's a centrist. Not, no. no one's but saying he is, he is Howard. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. But he's going to try. He is going to try to work with both sides. No. And we'll see. Oh, he will. Yeah. And he, he will work with both sides. Effort. But his EPA is going to look dramatically different than Donald Trump's Dramatically Trump's different. And Absolutely. What, what I'm telling our clients. And good, by the way. What I'm some of us say hooray to that. What I'm what I'm telling our clients is, and what we're doing with our clients, Mark and Caitlin, is we are looking at who is likely to be in what seats, right? And and what their priorities are. Because frankly, like personnel is policy. Personnel is policy taught me 10 years ago. And it if a Republican were to be Secretary of Transportation, as we were just Who cares? hypothesizing. No, but my point is that the secretary will bring his or her agenda. It can't be at odds with the president's policies. But as we know from our work, when you get into the operations of these departments and agencies, so much is dependent on the actual people sitting in the actual chairs. And, yeah, and where they came from. And where they came from. If somebody came to the EPA from Capitol Hill, whose office did they work in? What were his or her boss's priorities? What were the senator's priorities? What state are they from? What, yep. what do they care? What, what does that member care about? What have they been working on for 10 years? Like, it's that's... That is how and we are going to be figuring out for our clients how to approach government because it isn't going to be the headlines. No, it's going at, to be that stuff at the operational level where we work with our clients for the most part. You're going to see a lot of uh, Obama Biden administration alums, and they are going to come in not with the Trump administration's agenda, but also not with the Green New Deal. And they aren't part of the squad. So I think, uh, as we're saying, we just got to wait and see who these people are. But I have a number I'm, I'm talking with who are not going to scare you, Howard. Your, your fears of a takeover by the squad are, are going to be uh, allayed when you see some of the, they, they are serious people with, they, with an intention to govern and get stuff yeah, done. Yeah, they usually are. Mark, even in the even, Trump administration, yep. even in the Trump administration. Lo the lower you go, the better it gets. I yeah, think. we've talked about this a yeah. thousand times. You know, mm -hmm. there are plenty okay. of good people I don't care for their the personal choice they've made. And most of the people I worked with in the Bush administration have not gone to work for this guy for damn good reasons. But 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 there are even, you know, you said it well, the lower you get, the better it gets. Well, let's um, talk before yeah. we run out of time because it's almost afternoon, which yes. is yeah, let's finish <laughs> in the morning. We gotta get the week over. Yeah. Let's finish the morning speaking of our work with clients and and ask Caitlin to answer the question that we have all already been asked by our clients yep. uh, about a second, third, fourth, fifth, however you count, about you another count. round 
<laughs> another round of COVID stimulus. I think in, things are in the lame duck, Caitlin. Things seem to be looking good. McConnell's already come out and said he wants to get to work starting on Monday on putting together a phase four package. Um, Speaker Pelosi did a press conference this morning where she also signaled willingness to get back to work with the White House and the leadership there. Um, I think negotiations are going to continue. And to be honest, I think President Trump probably would love to go out in a cloud of, I signed this great big bill to help Americans. And I have faith that something's going to get done. And But I do think that Speaker Pelosi does not have near as much leverage as she had a month ago. Oh, and they're going to have to lower their asks. Oh. It can't be a Democratic wish list, a bailout for New York City and a you know blue-leaning states and all of these other policies that have little to do with the coronavirus. It's going to be PPP for small businesses, support for hospitals, support for additional testing, liability reform so that businesses don't have to worry that they're going to get sued by frivolous lawsuits. But I think we're going to see something in the next couple of weeks. And you don't think that the two runoffs in Georgia are an impediment to that? You don't think McConnell is going to try to spare Loeffler and Purdue a vote on a stimulus before the runoff? No, I think that a, a, a vote for them in Georgia is helpful. I don't think it's hurtful for, for either one of those. Two yeah, what do you think, Mark? Well, that last I, question comes from uh, a Republican colleague of ours who thinks that that could be a, a wrinkle in the plan. But I think uh, we are very likely to see a stimulus because uh, everything's moved to the middle. What happened with this election is everything got pushed to the middle. And I think a stimulus in the middle is is very possible. I am less sanguine than uh, Caitlin about what the president says and does. But but OK, <laughs> Let, let's get a bill to his desk and we'll find out. I think, you know, the, I've actually looked at the Georgia Senate races the other way and asked the other question, do the Democrats not want to do something on the hope and a prayer that they win the two no. Senate races and have the majority, which I do not think is going to happen? I agree with you, Mark. If if they could, if that were to happen, then they could do something through reconciliation. They'd have another bite at the apple. Right. This is like free money, basically. So I yeah. am strongly I, I of think... the view that something happens during the lame duck. By the yeah. way, I've been wrong about this from the very beginning. So well, I gonna... just want to, yeah, we've all missed a few, a few of our predictions. Although I am, I am going to say. Um, Got to see how this all works out. But w if it were to work out that Joe Biden got 306 electoral votes, I think I did that number right. It would not only be the exact number that Donald Trump got four years ago. It would be, Howard, the number that I said on this very podcast on Sunday, Joe Biden would get. So I'm still in the hunt for one right prediction in 2020. Kellyanne Conway calls that a landslide. So that means I'm still nah, nah, nah. no, it's not a landslide. But that's well, what that's what she said four years ago. It's not a landslide when 
the last four states to uh, come in on that total get decided by uh, an aggregate of 100,000 votes. Yeah. It's five days after election day. It's the that's that mail in thing, Caitlin. So let's end it here. A, A very fun and spirited and hopefully interesting and and informative discussion for our listeners. And we are gonna have endless material in the coming months. Uh, We'll be back soon. And thanks so much everybody for joining us today. Have a great weekend. Thanks Howard, thanks Mark. You've been listening to The Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Please subscribe to our podcast so our episodes are automatically sent to you when they are released. The Beltway Briefing Podcast has been produced by Hometown Podcasts and Audio, Washington, D.C.